It's a wonderful thing to be connected with God's people. And God has given us a wonderful body of believers here at East Wind. And I'm so glad that you're a part of it. Mark chapter 6 and verse 7. And he called unto him, this referring to Jesus, he called unto him the twelve. Of course, the twelve is his disciples. And began to send them forth by two and two. And gave them power over unclean spirits. He sent them forth by two and two. I want to talk to you today about that. Two by two in 2022. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. There is a a principle. uh, It's a principle of agreement that is represented in Scripture by the number two. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1 says... This is the third time I am coming to you in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 19 says, again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. There is this powerful principle of agreement that God honors, and He honors it in such a way that He literally comes to be a part of that union. When When humans, you and I, come together and we agree for one purpose and we come together in unity, in one mind, and when that unity is is coming together for the single solitary purpose of exalting the name of Jesus, of lifting up the Lord, the Bible says that the Lord says, that is where I will dwell in the midst of them. Just last Sunday in the, in the visitor center after service, I was talking with some people that had come here for the first time and they were so kind and, and talking about how they could feel God here. And they had visited other churches, couldn't feel God, but they felt God in this church. And I said, well, that's just God's favor. That's not anything that man can produce. It's the spirit goes wherever it wants to go. But there's a reason why when we come together, we come together with one purpose and we try to focus on lifting up the name of Jesus because my friend when you can speak his name and feel his presence there is nothing like it you can't have a good enough program you can't have enough lights stadium seating valet parking I don't care what you've got nothing's going to ever replace the presence of God Anybody can gather for any purpose, but oh, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Hallelujah. And there's a reason why we try to live holy and pure lives. There's a reason why we dress the way we do. Not because we think we're better than anybody else, but we have found from Scripture that there are biblical principles and the Spirit of the Lord will dwell where people, hallelujah, 
are causing their flesh to be submitted and saying, Lord, I want to exalt the name of the Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. And so we're not just coming together here with all of our junk and all of our garbage and saying, God, dwell in the midst of all of our humanity. We're coming together because we prayed before this service started. We've lifted up the name of Jesus before this service started. We've said, God, we want you to be in this house before this service started because it's not preaching, it's not singing, and it's not our great ushers that's going to cause you to get to heaven. It's going to be by the blood of Jesus Christ that redeems us all. And I'm so thankful that we can feel His Spirit. Oh, I hope we don't ever take that for granted. That when people come in these doors, they can feel the presence of God. That's because the Lord comes here because there is the desire for His Spirit and His presence to be here. And the Bible says the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. We know we can't save ourselves, but we also know that we can prepare for the presence of God. And so when we come together, they call that corporate worship. In two or three, we're not just coming here as solitary beings. We're coming here because we want to agree together for the presence of God to abide here. The Bible says there's this principle of agreement that when two or three come together, that he will honor it with his presence. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 19 says, and these are the words of the Lord, Again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth, as touching anything that they shall ask, and it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Now here's what's interesting about that. It's not just the presence of God that shows up when two or three gather together. It's not just that corporate agreement that produces His presence. But then He goes on to say that if two or three can agree together, following with this same principle that's throughout all of Scripture, that if they can begin to agree together, they can ask anything. In my name. What an, what an amazing access to the treasures of heaven you and I have to know that we can knock and it will be open. Ask and we can find. Seek and it shall be given. There's something special about knowing that when we come together in unity that God says that you can ask of Him anything. There's this power of agreement that not only produces His presence but it also produces His desire to give us what we are praying for. It goes on to say, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. That's why we were just singing about speaking the name of Jesus. Because where two or three are gathered together in His name. Oh, hallelujah. That's why we pray in the name of Jesus. That's why we baptize in the name of Jesus. That's why we come together and sing about the name of Jesus. That's why we believe you can cast out unclean spirits in the name of Jesus. That's why we believe that God can deliver you from alcohol and drugs and addictions through the name of Jesus because there's power when men and women come together and speak the name have you ever spoke that name of Jesus together in your home maybe a husband and wife just hold hands and begin to speak and plead the name of Jesus oh my friend there's power in that that's that powerful principle that God gives us that he honors the agreement of humanity so that when we come together in unity two or three, that God favors that unity with His power and with His presence. Now, one of the things that's interesting to note about this principle is that 
it comes together in more than just principle. That it's also a coming together in practice as well. It's not just a coming together in our minds or there being a coming together in a harmony of our spirits, but there's also a coming together in person. It's a oneness in spirit and in body. It's more than just a concept of agreement. It is when we assemble together as well. The Lord illustrated this principle even with his angelic host. When he would send a message through the angelic host, he would send more than one messenger. Did you know that there were two angels that were in the tomb of Jesus when Mary got there? Now, many times when you see Easter dramas, you only see one angel. But the Bible says there were two. Look at John chapter 20 and verse 12. And seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. There were two. There were two angels in that tomb. One at the head and one at the feet. Verse 13. And they, plural, say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him, where they have laid him. There was a plurality to it. There were at least two angels that came with the message that Jesus had risen. It didn't stop there. When we go over to Acts chapter 1 and verse 9 and we see the setting is that now Jesus is standing on the top of Mount Olivet and he is ascending and going up into heaven. There is this confusion, this concern, this uncertainty as to what is going to happen next because Jesus is ascending and going back up into heaven. And I'm sure the disciples were looking around at each other and saying, you know, this would really be a good time for Jesus to hang around because they all think we're crazy because we keep talking about our friend being resurrected. If he'd just stay around and walk with us on the streets, we could say, hey, here he is. We're not crazy here. This is Jesus. You remember him? He still looks the same. He's the same. Only he's a resurrected being now. He's the Messiah. We could go all over Galilee. We could have revival. But now here's Jesus on the top of Mount Olivet saying, I'm going back to heaven. And all the disciples are like, say what? Look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, they're just standing there looking up into heaven, wondering what happens next. I told the early service when I was uh, much younger, when the Challenger shuttle uh, blew up, I was working in radio and I was out there uh, covering that on radio uh, just in front of Chris McCullough's parents, the teacher that was on board that shuttle. And, in, and I was broadcasting live whenever it uh, blew up right over our heads. And I still remember the sound that her parents made behind me as they shrieked. And then there was this eerie silence, almost like the, the eye of a storm. And we all just stood there and everybody was speechless. And we just saw these, these clouds and, and the explosion. And then we saw what later we learned to be booster rockets that were uh, still had a trail of fire and smoke. And then everybody just took off running because we thought all of it was going to fall on our heads and the debris. And they had these old pods uh, that were there that fax machines and all that was pretty modern back then. But now, of course, that's all antiquated technology. But everybody was running into these pods where the media was and the VIPs and all that. And then after it was safe for us to come out, we came out. NASA went quiet. Nobody knew what happened. 
I still remember standing out there with, with uh, I don't know, maybe a couple hundred people and all of us just standing there looking up into the sky and looking at those clouds that represented what used to be a, a, a shuttle launch and wondering, what do we do now? Where do we go now? What is next? And, and, and all the horror that was associated with it. And I got to thinking about what it was like for these disciples to be standing on this mountain. And all they were doing is just looking up at the clouds of where Jesus used to be and thinking, now what? What do we do now? Where do we go now? And the Bible says, while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Two angels came and stood by them in white apparel. Not one, two. These angels in white apparel, they came for a purpose. It was to remind the followers of Christ of the assignment that they had. Verse 11 says, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? I mean, they're just looking up. They don't know what to do. They don't know. I mean, they had been told what to do. But the moment that they were standing there and Jesus ascends, all of it, maybe they were reminiscent, just the whole uh, topsy-turvy, turbulent timetable of the crucifixion and the resurrection and what led to it and all. Maybe just the three years of ministry, all of it just washing over their minds. And these two angels have to remind them, this same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner. Oh, hallelujah. I feel like shouting that from the rooftop. Maybe we can bring a crane out here one day and have service and stand on the top of this building and shout it out for this whole neighborhood to hear it. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. As you have seen him go, he shall soon return in like manner. Oh, my friend, it's not a storybook. It's not a make-believe fairy tale. It's not a Disney movie. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Woo, hallelujah. He's coming back in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. Oh, yes, he is, my friend. You can read about it in Revelation. He's coming back, and the Bible said his foot's going to set right on top of Mount Olivet. He's coming back to the very spot that he went up into heaven. You think it's cool that SpaceX up here can put a rocket right back and land it on the spot that it took off from? Guess what? That was prophesied thousands of years ago. Jesus is going to come right back to the same spot and put his foot on Mount Olivet. And the Bible said that mountain is going to cleave in two. And the Jews that are believers are going to run up under there. And God's going to protect his people. Oh, my friend, I'm here to tell you, this is not some make-believe story. Jesus is coming back. And he had two angels come because he knew the power of agreement. And he wants his word to be forever settled. So it wasn't a solo message. It was two angels that came and said, he's going to come back, but you guys got to go to Jerusalem. This is not the end. This is just the beginning. You go to Jerusalem and gather in the upper room. They went and they gathered in one accord in unity and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Now that probably didn't make sense in their minds. It made more sense for Jesus to stay here and to be able to save people by them witnessing him in person. But he distributed himself by 
be in the spirit that would then go into humanity. And this started the church age of which you and I are still a part of 2,000 years later. Being filled with the Holy Ghost. Having power to witness. He sent them out two by two. But it was more than just that. It was just the beginning of what God was going to do. And my friends, sometimes God may be at work in your life and it doesn't make sense. We say, God, if you'd do it this way, it would really have a great outcome. This would be a tremendous witness. But God is choosing something different. And it may be invisible to you right now. But I've come to tell you, when it's all said and done, you're going to look back and see that God had His hand in it all. I said, God had His hand in it all. Oh, you said, I didn't understand. It seemed like God disappeared when I needed Him most. He didn't disappear. Even though you may not see Him, He's working on the other side of the mountain. God has got a reward. God has prepared an answer. God has a solution for your situation. And sometimes it's not according to our thinking. That Jesus is preparing now this church for something supernatural. This launches us into a dispensation of salvation that has changed the world. When the Lord sent two angels to deliver that message, He sent it to confirm it for there to be an agreement as to what the purpose, what the purpose of the church should be. He didn't just send one messenger, and He could have. He could have just sent one, but He sent two because He was fulfilling a principle that gives authority to the message. And you can look throughout all the Word of God. You can even go back to creation. And you can see where creation illustrates this principle. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 16 says, And God made two great lights. Two great lights. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And He made the stars also. There's witness that God is the Creator. And he gave us two witnesses, the sun by day and the moon by night. So that the Bible says that a fool looks into the heavens and says there is no God. Why? Because we've got two witnesses that he's the light of the world. How do you know he's the light of the world? Because we got a big ball of fire up there every day to remind us. We were driving to church this morning every Sunday morning before the early service. My daughter Sophia goes with me and we go by Dunkin' Donuts. And every Sunday morning she orders a, a caramel, frozen coffee, small, no whipped cream. And so every Sunday morning we go through Dunkin' Donuts and get her a small caramel coffee with no whipped cream. And sometimes I'll get one with her, but not now. It's 2022. (laughs) New Year's resolution. Time to lose weight. We went by there this morning. We were driving. And she said, why is it that every time we do this, the sun is always on my side? I said, because, honey, it comes up on the same side every day. And it also sets on the same side every day. And that's a witness. That he's the light of the world. But he didn't just give us the sun by day. He gave us the moon by night. Two lights. Two witnesses. And then we read about the saving of all living flesh. That God directed to march into the ark. Two by two. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 19. And of every living thing of all flesh. Two of every sort. 
shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female. Of fowls after their kind and of cattle after their kind. Of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind. Did we really have to have two roaches on the ark? I would have been okay for them not finding their way on the ark. Every creeping thing of the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. He's got two lights in creation. Now he's got two in redemption from the flood. It's important, I think, that we see that it says every living creature. It wasn't just the animals. It was also two by two in humanity because it was it was Noah and his wife and it was his three sons and their wives. There was two by two. There was this uh, redemption plan, as it were, that two by two, two by two, two by two, that God says, hey, I'm going to have a, a, a remnant of the human race. I know uh, it's kind of hitting the reset button now, but I still, because he's a God of life and he's a God of redemption and he's a God of salvation. Uh, so even though there's a cleansing of the earth happening, uh, I'm still going to have a remnant of two by two, hallelujah, that are going to be saved. Oh, my friend, uh, I believe in these last days, God, hallelujah, is going to have a saving of humanity two by two that's going to come into the church into the ark of the living God and every living flesh every human every man woman boy and girl it doesn't matter what language they speak what country they're in it doesn't matter God hallelujah is going to find a way of escape for humanity and it's when we come into the ark it's when we get in the church it's when we say I must be saved even this word of God which John says became flesh it's in the form of two witnesses, the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. It further explains the deity of Jesus, that he is both the Father and the Son. Because while Jesus had to send two angels to confirm the message, Jesus could come all by himself. Because he's the Father, and he's the Son, and he's the Holy Ghost. So when Jesus speaks, it's the power of agreement with all of the manifestations of God in one form. That's why the Bible said it pleased him that the fullness of the Godhead would dwell in him bodily. The Bible said he could swear by none greater, so he swore by himself. He is the mighty God in Christ. That's why when you're baptized in the name of Jesus, you are baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Because the Bible said that Jesus said, I am come in my Father's name, and his name is Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is in his name. Hallelujah. So God, hallelujah, when you say Jesus, you've got the power of agreement of all aspects of the nature of God in agreement. He was the Father in creation. He's the Son in redemption. He was the Father in principle. He's the Son in person. There is an agreement. And that, my friend, throughout all the Word of God is the power of agreement. So that when He sent His disciples out, he sent them out two by two. He didn't send them out by themselves. Even whenever they had to go find a donkey for him to ride on in Jerusalem, he sent two of them out to get it. It was always two by two by two. Why? Because of the power of agreement. Now, this particular strategy is not lost on the enemy. The enemy knows this. And the enemy is a... He is a being that 
cannot create. He's not an innovator. He's a copycat. So the enemy tries to copy the nature of God and then sell you and me a cheap substitute. That's what the enemy does. It started with the conflict of Cain and Abel. He tried to uh, create conflict between Cain and Abel. And then it was magnified with the Tower of Babel, trying to piggyback on this concept of agreement and unity and to use it for a secular purpose rather than a spiritual purpose. Satan's strategy from the very beginning has been to disrupt the unity of God's promises and to create agreement for secular purposes so that he can try to somehow substitute that power that comes with the principle of agreement and unity. This is why he turned Judas against Jesus and then had Herod and Pilate come together in agreement to crucify Jesus. He tries to disrupt the unity that God has ordained and then bring together the unity in ungodly forces. This is why he will try to disrupt the unity of a couple in holy matrimony and convince you that you would be happy or you would be in agreement with your emotions or your feelings if you would leave that union. Have you heard? This is something that you hear today a lot of times. Well, I, I just have to, I, I have to be true to myself and, and this is who I am and this is what I feel. No, that is you leaving the agreement of biblical principles and following the agreement of the lust of the flesh. That's what that is. And my friend, can I tell you, it is a cheap substitute. You're not ever going to have joy following what the devil tells you to do. You're not ever going to have joy buying what the enemy is selling. And that is a cheap substitute. You've got to get back to the word of God. You've got to have your flesh be submitted to the principles of God's word and say, not my will, but thy will be done. He disrupts the unity that God has ordained and then tries to sell you a cheap substitute or a cheap harmony now you say oh well this is what i really need to do i i i i'm just not you know comfortable uh following biblical principles i, I want to do what i want to do well guess what if you're not walking in the spirit you'll feel more connected to someone who you think is also in a similar place when you when you go into a crowded room this is something that's always boggled my mind there can, be, there can be 200 people in a room and a person can come in that door with a similar spirit and find somebody that came in that door with a similar spirit. They can find each other. It's unbelievable. Because my friend, this is more than just human bodies floating around down here on earth. There is a spirit world that directs it. You've got to be careful who you're in agreement with. You gotta be careful who you hang out with. You gotta be careful that you don't align yourself with a spirit that's gonna cause you to begin to think wrong and have concepts in your mind. And before long, it'll seem like the right thing to do. The Bible says, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. He'll try to convince you, you'll be happier if you go and, and, and sleep with that person. Or you'll be happier if you go over here and hang out with that. You, you'll be happier if you'll go. No, you won't, because that person has got more problems than who you're married to. And here's something else to think about. Guess what the common denominator is between where you're at now and where you want to be? You! You 
still got you to deal with. Y'all wanted a cute little holiday message, didn't you? <laughs> it don't matter where you go, you can't move away from yourself. You still got all your junk to deal with. And you say, oh, but if I go there, then that person really appreciates me, blah, blah, blah. Because the enemy wants to break up the union that God has ordained and to put you a part of a union that you have ordained. That you feel like you're in agreement. That you feel like it's going to be hard. Don't fall for that. That is a bait and switch tactic that the enemy has convinced a lot of people to do. But he is the enemy of your soul. And always remember this about the enemy of your soul. He is not creative. He is innovative. He is a copycat. God created sex, not Satan. But he tries to sell you a cheap substitute. That's what pornography is. It's a cheap substitute. God created joy. Satan tries to sell you a cheap substitute. That's what drugs are. They are created to give you a fake joy. That's not real joy. That is there to destroy your life. God created the impartation of His Spirit in your life, which gives you power and boldness. And Satan sells you the cheap substitute of alcohol, which you say, I like because it makes me feel bold and powerful. But then it destroys your life! To the point that alcohol used to be referred to as spirits. That's how clever Satan is. But he's no match for God. Because God is the original he is the originator. He's the real thing. Sometimes you got to just get the real thing. Sometimes you can't just be buying cheap substitutes all the time. We live in a world that wants a cheap substitute. I get so tired of buying all these knockoffs. They say, well, it's just like an Apple phone, but it's $150 cheaper. No, it's not. It doesn't work like the real Apple phone. With this cord, you can get it. It's a lot cheaper. It's not the same. I need an Apple cord. You can try to get all of these cheap substitutes your whole life and you just find yourself one thing breaking after another, one thing breaking after another until your life is just broke down. And you don't know how you got to where you are. You got to get back to the God, hallelujah, that created you, that breathed life into you. You're not going to find anything better than the Word of God. You're not going to find anything to bring more happiness than the principles of God's Word. There is no better way. There is no righter way. Here's another distinction I want you to remember. Jesus Christ is not only the originator. He's not only the creator. His gifts are based in life. And Satan's gifts are based in death. Satan tries to mimic God and then disguise it. But everything Satan does ends in death. The Bible talks about this. It starts with lust, and then when it conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Because here's the thing you've got to remember about death. Death is the great separator. This is why it bothers me that people are letting the fear of death separate them. People that are afraid of the virus, so they go and hide in their homes, and they've separated from the body of Christ. Because of the fear of death. Death separates but you don't have to live in fear of death 
and begin to die while you're still alive. Can I tell you something right now? You need to turn off Fauci and you need to turn off all the news and you need to quit living in fear because this virus is not going away. It's going to mutate every year into something else and something else and something else. You got to make up. Are you going to hide in your house the rest of your life? Are you going to watch church on, on the internet the rest of your life? You got to get up one day and say, hey, this is 2022. I'm still alive. I'm going to church. Come on, Eastwind. It's time we come alive and realize this is the day that the Lord has made. The enemy wants, the enemy wants everything to be based in fear and death. And the whole time, God is in the midst of it trying to speak life. We got to either believe this thing or not. Either he's a healer or he's not. And if God can't heal us and God can't deliver us and God can't save us, then we ought to just turn these lights off and all of us go do something else. We either believe this thing or we don't believe it. But don't call yourself a Christian and live in fear. you got to get up and say, I believe that God is my Savior. And I'm not going to let death separate me in spirit. I'm not going to let death separate me in purpose. I'm not going to let the fear of death separate me as to what my cause is. I am a child of God. And God has made me a part of the body of Christ. And nothing can take me out of the arms of God. We were going through the, the TSA the other day. And you know how you got to go through all the security stuff to get on the airplane. And, you know, take off your shoes and your belt. You, you just about have to undress to get on there. You know, people are just walking through there in their boxers, you know, just going through there. Am I okay? You know, it's just, you're just not even a human being anymore. And I was going through there, and my son Gregor and I was talking, and I said, you know what, Gregor, here's what's so crazy. It's been more than 20 years since 9-11. But because some nut job with a bad hairdo tried to put some plastic explosives in the heel of his shoe 20 years ago, I'm still taking off my shoes to get on an airplane. How many people died in 9-11? Three, four, five thousand people? There's been a lot more people die of COVID than 9-11. That was 20 years ago. Do you really think that all of a sudden everything's going to magically change and we're going to get all of our freedoms back? Folks, it was Delta, Omicron. It'll be something else in a few months from now. There will be a mutation from now on. It's not going away. You didn't want to hear that, did you? But guess what else is not going away? Heaven and earth can pass away. But my word. And I don't know if you've read this Bible lately, but the Bible says by his stripes we are healed. The Bible says he's the giver of life. 
I'm going to tell you what. The liberties you're giving up now, you'll never get them back. You mark my words. I'm not just speaking as a preacher. I worked with Liberty Council. My buddy Matt Staver called me the other day. He said, I got to go argue before the U.S. Supreme Court January 18th. You want to go? I said, yes. I thank God for that good man standing in the trenches fighting for our liberties. But he tells me over and over, he said, David, this country is founded on liberties. And he said, this thing is geared. There's a spiritual element to it to take away all of our freedoms. And sometimes he has to stand alone. I told him, you're not going to stand by yourself. I'll cover you in prayer, man. I found out January 18th, my buddy David Holmes' daughter is getting married. We'd already committed to that, so I can't go. But I said, I'm going to cover you in prayer, man, because you're not going to stand alone. If you're willing to stand up there and fight for the freedoms of churches to be able to assemble and gather together, and I want you to know that you got a church and you got a friend that will stand with you, we're going to cover you in prayer. Everything about the enemy is to try to take away your freedom uh, while convincing you that you're going to get more freedom. Oh, my friend, uh, you don't get more freedom than the Word of God. <laughs> oh, yes. I said, you don't get more freedom from the Word of God. You can wake up every day and have a clear mind. You don't have to struggle with the, with the captivity of a hangover or the captivity of, a, of being addicted to some something of the flesh. You can get up every day and say, this is the day that God has given me to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Because God is the giver of life. I said, God is the giver of life. Did you know that there were two Gadarea demoniacs? Two. There were two men possessed with devils in the country of Gadarea. We always talk about that guy, you know, running down down there, pulling his clothes off. There were two of them. Matthew 8, 28. And when he was come to the other side into the country of the Gadareans, there met him two possessed with devils. Two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs exceeding fierce so that no man might pass by that way. they just crazy, full of the devil, both of them. Verse 29. And behold, they, plural, cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of David? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? Two of them. Possessed with the devil. The enemy always tries to use numbers to try to intimidate the church. But I love how God just turns things around. They even tried to intimidate by saying, we're legion. We're like an army. We're many. Don't mess with us. And the Lord kills two birds with one stone. Casts the devils out of these two men. And sends them into the pigs. The Jews, they weren't supposed to eat pigs. They had a little a pork market thing going on the back side of the mountain over there. Gattery is on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And so they had a little private sin going over there. And pigs! That love mud! Even pigs wouldn't live with a devil. Even pigs were like... And they all ran off a cliff and ran and jumped into the water trying to get a bath. Because they wouldn't even live with the devil. But yet people will allow devils to hang around. Y'all put out cookies for them. You get a grudge in your spirit and you just want to hang on to it and hang and feed it and make it comfortable. And the whole time a pig said, I won't even live with my little old squiggly tail with a bad old spirit on me. Why would you allow an enemy that's trying to destroy you?
to keep his spirit on you. If you got odd against your brother, you need to go to your brother and say, we got to make it right because the Lord is coming back and God is sending us forth two by two. We got to get together in purpose and in mind and in spirit. Be in agreement. God has called us to be witnesses, not to harbor things and, and allow these evil spirits to hang out. Get rid of it. Get it at an altar and say, I want to be free in the name of Jesus Christ. i got to hurry. Do you know there were two blind men that cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me? Matthew 9, 27. And when Jesus departed, there two blind men followed him crying and saying, thou son of David, have mercy. You notice Matthew's the one that's recording all this? And when he was coming to the house, blind men came to him, plural, men, M-E-N, and Jesus said unto them, plural, believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were open. And Jesus straightly charged them, saying, see that no man knows. Matthew. It, Matthew's the, it, it, later on, they must have been reading what Matthew wrote and thought, he must be seeing double. No, Matthew is a former tax collector. He doesn't miss anything. He keeps good books. He works for HR and Block. Now, I see you got this, but you also got that. There's two. He doesn't just record the miracle of deliverance or the miracle of blind eyes being healed. He recognizes the importance of identifying that there were two. One thing that the gospel authors all agree on, there were two thieves on the cross. I think the devil tried to intimidate Jesus at his weakest point in death. When his back was bleeding and he's dealing with all the suffering of a human crucifixion. Puts him in between two thieves to say even in death, you're outnumbered, Jesus. You are no match for the sin of this world devil tries to intimidate with numbers. And I think he set the stage for Jesus to say there's twice as many of us as there are of you. But guess what Jesus does? <laughs> Jesus delivers the Gadarene demoniacs. Jesus heals the blind men. Jesus turns to one of the thieves and says, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Because God can turn the tables. Turn the tables. Sister Amy and I have identical twin sons. I think the enemy tried to kill one of them a couple of weeks ago. Because he knows the power of agreement. Anytime two are together, he wants to try to destroy it. Because you get two people together that say we're going to work for God. And anything is possible. Anything is possible. A number of years ago, I'm coming to a close, I promise. A number of years ago, we had in, in this church a uh, man that played basketball for uh, Florida Tech. He was the center. He was a great basketball player, a big, tall guy from Toronto. And Robert Sewell was his name. Good guy. One his roommate fellow basketball player to the Lord. And uh, when he got graduated from college, he had some injuries with his knees and all. He couldn't play in the NBA, but he was still one of the best basketball players of junior colleges around. 
So he got an opportunity to play professional basketball in Australia, and he came and talked to me, and he said, Pastor, what do you think about me playing professional basketball in Australia? I said, well, I, I know you're a godly man, Robert. I know you're a soul winner. Tell me what you think. He said, here's my strategy. He said, my strategy is that when I go, I will win my roommate to the Lord. And then my roommate and I will begin to witness to the other members of the basketball team. And then from there, who they win to the Lord, they can multiply and we can go that way two by two. I said, Brother Robert, you've already proven you've done that while you've been in college. I said, I believe God can use you in that field where any of us would probably never be able to win basketball players in Australia. But God can use you. And so he went. And about two years afterwards, he wrote me a letter and he said, Pastor, I want you to know I, I won my, my roommate, the guy who's the starting guard on the team, I, I won my roommate to the Lord. And then after that, I heard from him. He had won some other people to the Lord, and they had won some other people. And here we are, I don't know, maybe 25 years later, and there are four churches in Australia because of Robert Sewell that just kept witnessing one to one to one. Oh, when people come together, don't let the enemy sell you a cheap substitute. Let God turn the tables. Let God give you the power of agreement in unity. Matthew twenty four thirty seven says, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be, which is the day we're in right now. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. That's similar to the world we're in now. Until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. But then listen to this. God, give me this revelation. I never saw it like this before. Verse 40. Then shall two be in the field, and one shall be taken, and the other left. I've always focused on the one that was left, and God turned my attention to the one that was taken. Every situation, verse 41, two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken, and the other left. Every union that the enemy thought he had locked up, God provides redemption salvation by breaking up the tactics of the enemy God brings deliverance God brings unity by breaking up the bonds of sin and my friend that's what I believe the Lord wants to do in 2022 with East Wind Pentecostal Church he wants to restore the unity back to a body of believers by giving them a mission that involves agreement Luke chapter 10 verse 1 says, After these things the Lord appointed another seventy also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place whether he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his heart. we got a big harvest out there. It's the laborers that are few. But guess what? We have an advantage. Because one with God is a majority. 
we got the power of agreement. That unity that brings his presence. That unity under the name of Jesus. Oh, I'm so glad the praise singers sang that song today. I'm going to ask them to sing it again here in just a moment. Because when you speak the name of Jesus, it doesn't matter if you're outnumbered. God can turn the tables. He can touch a person's heart. You may feel like you're the only one on your job, but even Elijah had to be reminded by God, you're not by yourself. There's 7,000 that have never bowed the knee to Baal. You've got to realize that you're not by yourself. There's a whole world full of people, people you may never meet, people from other countries and different languages, but they love God like you do, and God is going to bring us all together. And one day there's going to be a trump, and from all over this planet, God's people are going to rise to meet Him in the air. You're not by yourself. Don't let the enemy convince you that you're all alone. There's a unity that comes in his presence. There's a healing that comes in his presence. There's a deliverance. There's a salvation. So we come together two by two. Agreement in principle, yes. Agreement in practice, yes. Agreement in purpose, yes. We come together in worship. But before we can come together in worship, we've got to come together in witnessing. You've heard of that term, corporate worship? That's what we do when we come together and we have worship services in this church. But this year, we want to add to that. We want to add corporate evangelism. Not just corporate worship, but corporate evangelism. To look for opportunities to win souls together. Let's stand to our feet. Several months ago, the Lord gave me a vision of people receiving the Holy Ghost. It was masses of people. I couldn't even count. There was so many. And I can remember just thinking about how God was going to do a great work in these last days. And I just started thinking about how that was going to happen. And it seemed like the Lord just spoke to my heart. and Let me know that He's going to raise up an army. It's part of what started our WINS conference. It's part of what started this global harvest in motion where we're going to begin to train people because it's not going to be one or two people. It's going to be an army. Two, 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 two coming together in agreement. It's going to be the salvation of many by the prayers of many, by the teaching of many, by the witnessing of many. We launched this Global Harvest in motion it was to train many so that we could see billions be filled with the holy ghost because god's going to use the power of agreement everybody in this church needs to win somebody to the lord in 2022 but we need to do more than just win somebody to the lord we need to also mentor someone we need to be in agreement with someone we need to duplicate ourselves we're going to look at opportunities to evangelize together. We're going to look for opportunities to equip one another through training and hands-on experience. We, we see this as three E's, equipping, experiencing, and evangelism. Equipping through training and teaching, which is why we're starting this Global Harvest in Motion right here in Palm Bay with training January 14th and 15th. We're going to come together. and Everybody that wants to be a soul winner is invited to be a part of that. We're going to say, let's learn, let's do all that we can to learn how to flow in the Holy Ghost. How to pray people through in the altar. How to teach Bible studies. Equipping and then experiencing it. You've got to experience it. You've got to get your hands in the harvest. 
as long as you're on the perimeter just watching everything else go by, you're not really finding the joy that God intended for you to live in as a believer. You've got to get your hands in the harvest. And then evangelism through witnessing, crusades, classes, services, Bible studies. We're going to do everything we can together, two by two, shoulder to shoulder. Next week, we're going to have Brother David Smith here. He's a, he's a great evangelist, a great harvester. He's very unorthodox. It won't be like anything you've ever seen or heard in a Pentecostal church. But I'm going to ask you to invite people to come to church this week. I'm going to ask you to make calls, text, and contact people through Facebook Messenger, whatever you got to do. Let's fill up this place next week. If a person needs the Holy Ghost, if a person needs to be healed, if a person needs to be delivered, I want you to bring them to church next Sunday morning, Sunday night. God's going to give us a great harvest. But before we get to that point this morning, what I feel like God is wanting us to do is to make a commitment to come together two by two and to say we agree together that we're going to be holding one another accountable to be witnesses this year, 2022. I want you to find somebody, a brother or a sister or friend or maybe even your spouse I know it's it's easy to just default to your spouse but if that's the only person you feel comfortable connecting with that's okay but I want you to spend a few moments right now and I want you to go around the church I want you to find somebody you can connect with so that there are at least two people and maybe if you're connected with someone you see somebody else by themselves it can be two or three but at least two and I want you to go to them and get connected with them and say, we're going to hold each other accountable. We can be witnesses in the year 2022. Just take a few moments right now. We're going to come together in just a moment down here in the front. But just go, just say, I want to be your partner this year. Two by two, God's going to use us to be great witnesses. And then just bring them down to the front. Just come down here together. And they're going to sing this song again and I'm going to pray over this great church and believe that God's going to do something supernatural. I know that God's going to use this church in a powerful way. Now, if you're not bold enough to go to somebody in the church, you're not going to be bold enough to witness to somebody out there in the street. Just go and take them by the hand and then come on down out of the seats and just come down into the altar area all over the building. Just come on down. Everybody, everybody having somebody with them. If you don't have anybody, if you're standing all by yourself, you say, I got nobody that'll partner with me. Raise your hand. Everybody's got somebody good. Raise your hand if you don't have anybody. Everybody's got somebody. If you're standing by yourself and you need somebody. Just raise your hand. This sister right here. Somebody link with her right there. We've got some more room down here. Everybody over here good? If you can't get to the front, just get down into the aisle. Just get as close as you can. Oh, we're going to begin to pray together right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. God's going to do something incredible. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Oh, that's it. Just begin to lift up your voice unto the Lord right now. Come on, would you make a commitment right now? I make a commitment hard to be a witness for you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That's it, that's it. Begin to lift up your voice and begin to call out. Yes, Lord. We speak the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. We speak the name of Jesus over our families. We speak the name of Jesus over our friends. I speak the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Hallelujah.
Jesus. I feel a burden for people's families. Maybe it's unsaved children. Maybe it's family members, spouses. I don't know. I just, I feel a burden for families. I was reading the other day, I, I mentioned this in the first service, but I was reading the other day some commentaries that, that said that many biblical scholars believe that most, if not all, of Jesus' family were not saved until after he ascended and went to heaven. While he was on earth, he was just Jesus, who they had grown up with. But they couldn't deny the power of the Holy Ghost spreading through thousands and thousands of people. And siblings became leaders in that church. James became the pastor of that church in Jerusalem. Sometimes we need to have the help of our brothers and sisters to pray for our family members. And I wonder if you're standing with somebody that you're not you know, married to or someone that you're not of the same family with biologically, but obviously spiritually, we know we're all brothers and sisters. But I wonder if we could commit to pray for each other's families, if we could do that. Would you right now, whoever you're standing next to, would you just begin to pray for their family right now that God would save them? Oh, people are so hungry for the real thing. Come on, this is the year that God's going to bring families back together. Oh, Jesus. That's it. I pray for your family right now. I speak the name of Jesus over your family. I'll witness to your family. I'll pray for them. I'll help you. You don't have to do this by yourself. In the name of Jesus. That's it. God gave you brothers and sisters for a reason. Come on, we can hold up each other's prayer. You don't have to pray that prayer by yourself. I'm going to help you. I'm going to pray it with you. In the name of Jesus. Speak Jesus over your family. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, yes, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I want this to be more than just something that we talk about in service and then it all disappears 20 minutes from now. 
when we leave. I want it to be something that we put into practice that's a part of our everyday life. I'm going to ask you, whoever you're standing with, if you'll just make a commitment to get in the next couple of days a list of names that you can reach out to, that you can begin to pray and reach out to each other's list of names. You can share a list of names with your um, your witnessing partner and say, hey, here's some names I want you to pray for and reach out to. And they can give you some names. Sometimes we can pray and reach out and win another person's family easier than they can their own family. But even with friends, if we can share some names with one another, would, would we commit to do that? I believe that we can see a mighty harvest that if we could just start this year with this as our focus I believe it will continue and carry on like a wave that we may have to go to three Sunday morning services that's alright I still got some more preaching in me <laughs> oh I believe God's going to fill this church with our loved ones, friends and family you believe, do you really believe that? speak the name of Jesus so before you leave, just maybe get an email or text or however you want to do it. But just share with one another names that you're going to give them. Take some names from them and let's reach out this week. Let's call. Let's text. Let's invite them to church. Let's begin to pray. Let's speak the name of Jesus over every situation. I believe God's going to do a great and mighty work. He's going to use you and me to do it too. He's going to send us out two by two. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I'm so thankful for your presence. Thankful for your spirit. Thankful for this great body of believers, Lord. We feel the unction of your spirit leading us and guiding us. We commit to put our hands in the harvest. We commit to be a part, Lord, of being witnesses that you have called us to be in these last days. Give us courage, Lord, and boldness and a determination. Hallelujah. To go out. And you said, Lord, as you sent them out two by two, that you gave them power over unclean spirits. I'm asking, Lord, for power over every unclean spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. We claim it and we speak it according to your word. Everybody said in Jesus' name.